Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And this podcast almost ended tonight. <laughs> yeah, not because of our own fault, but Lindsay's computer almost crapped out. Um, it was real scary. Like Stephanie got here at seven ish, um, and then I plugged my or turned the computer on and just was not connecting to my monitor. Uh, but my laptop was and was on the phone with my brother-in-law and sister for like an hour. Um, and I guess like the graphics card is possibly dead. Uh, but it turns out there's a second HDMI port on this thing and we're here. For now. For now. Um, hopefully, I like honestly feel like it's a ticking time bomb and we're just like waiting for it to explode. But they said it's okay and you can bypass the graphics card and it's not a big deal. We just can't stream video or play video games which is not what i do so with this it's something you don't do anyways um yeah just can't edit video either which is also not something that we currently do but now it's not something that we can do in the future at least not on your computer right um so that was kind of terrifying like <laughs> my sister was literally like just throw it out <laughs> get rid of it get a new one i was like but the entire podcast is on this and i have not backed it up in more time than I would like to admit. I did break off a panel on it, though, so. It's the bottom, so. Well, it's now the bottom. It was the top Oh, it was before. the top? Well, it's um, the bottom You now. know, actually, no, I think it was the bottom before, too, uh, based on where the power switch is. But anyways, um, yeah, that was the whole thing. And we're still here. Yes. It was almost the end of Drunk and Uncultured. For the, for the, se- for for the foreseeable the- future. Yeah, Until I got are, a new computer. Yeah. Words are hard today. Yeah. I talked a lot at work, so my brain is like... Oh, I love that for you. I don't love that for you. I also talked a lot at work. Alright. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about music stuff today as the whole episode topic. Um, so we're so skipping We'll music. get to music information in a hot minute. Um... Today we're drinking in Hume from Ghost Town. We've posted about this on the feed quite a few times. I'm surprised we never drank. I don't have any record of us actually drinking this on the show. We probably haven't. And if we have, oops. It's really good, so I don't really care if we've drank it before. Yeah. So in Hume is made with Citra, Centennial, and Simcoe hops. It's very much like a traditional IPA. Yeah. Very piney. It's hoppy. It's clean. It's got that berry, like the traditional, like, I don't know. I was associated with berry, but it's kind of like pine berry, I guess. Centennial to me gives a little bit of a berry taste. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of my favorite beers. It's always a classic to go to. Oh, yeah. Easy um, to drink. Love it. Clocks in at 7% oh. ABV. I did not know that. Well, today you learned. Nah, you do, <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay, so pick three words. Um, I'm going to say crisp, clean, piney. I'm going to say piney, berry, and hoppy. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're going to go with yep. today. Very clean finish. Yeah. Not much musk. It's nice. I've already drank like a quarter of it. Yeah, we're splitting a can and then we'll have to get something There's else to drink in a hot minute. Yeah. There's more in human in the fridge, actually. Perfect. 
Cool. So we are talking kind of all things music because it's been. It's have been you a, been able to do a music corner all year? I don't think I've done a music corner yet this year. So we're gonna just kind of catch up on. We're going to do a, you know quarter two. We're gonna catch up on all things music. Yep. Uh, there's been some fun news things that have happened. There's been some festival announcements. A new venue opened. Um, uh, some really good albums have come yeah. out. Ticketmaster's been an absolute shit. God, I fucking um, am over Ticketmaster. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. As if I wasn't already. I'm even more over Ticketmaster. Yeah. <clears throat> so, what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with um, your music? Like, the top... Do you want to do the, 50, the five albums from each quarter, or from each month, real quick? Um, I don't know. Let's just talk through... I did not do, do a good job Do you want to drop dropping. some albums that you really like? Yeah, so let's just talk through some that I enjoyed a lot. I did not do a good job of highlighting these. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about the band that you just saw. Oh, yeah, that was, that's probably a good place to start. So, um, the Murder Capital released their sophomore album called Gigi's Recovery in January. And I actually just saw the Murder Capital this, a week prior to this episode coming out. So yep. this was actually their first ever Chicago show because they were supposed to play Chicago in March of 2020. Yeah. I um, wanted to go. I just had so much life stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, but Gigi's recovery in general is a little bit of a departure. Not huge, but it's not as of a, a like in-your-face punk sound as some of... Um, Jesus Christ, what's their first album called? The Murder Capital? Is it self-titled? I don't know. It was a good guess, though. When I Have Fears is the name of their first album. Stephanie's playing footsie with me right now. Listen, it's my okay. legs hurt. It's and I'm okay. trying to get comfortable. It's okay. I don't mind it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, this album I thought was absolutely phenomenal. It, just, it feels a little bit different. Like I was saying, like sonically but the lyrics are still pretty like hard-hitting and emotional the way they are in the first album um it's one of those albums where you're listening to it and you're like oh this song's good and the next song you're like oh this one's good too yeah like it just keeps like spiraling but seeing it live i think completely changed how i think about the album too because the live performance of these new songs was absolutely incredible and you, I, I felt more of the emotional connection to some of these songs and some of the lyrics, like watching them perform it. Because you can, like, feel it coming off of the singer whose name I'm blanking on right now. That's okay. But you can feel it just, like, radiating off of him as he's performing. Yeah. So I, I thought that was great. Nice. Um, let's just kind of go through the list. Oh. There is something I do want to talk about, but I want to get to it in a second. Um, I actually really enjoyed the new album that also came out in January from We Are Scientists. Okay. So I always think of them as like an early 2000s indie rock electronic band. Yeah. Like that's when they came out. Very much indie sleaze era. Yeah. I mean, even earlier than yeah. that. Like post-punk. Original. Ar- yeah. Yeah. But it's just a really, really good rock album. It still feels very similar to the sounds they were making when they first started. And then I, like, 
constantly listen to. I still listen to their old stuff. I haven't listened to their newer stuff in a while. But it's just, it feels really like the best of the both worlds of like a fresh indie rock album with their early garage rock, post-punk revival stuff. Yeah. It was very good. I liked it a lot. Um, I have one I want to talk about in January. I listen to this like probably weekly. Um, I like this one a lot too, actually. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I know. I know where you're going with this. Uh, It's the self-titled Miniature Tigers release, which feels funny to say because how many albums have they put out? Six or seven. And this is their first. It's it's definitely a departure from what I remember that they used to sound like because it was more. They used to be more kind of like, like, like two thousands passion pay like. Um, not electronically fashion pay, yeah. but like that era, like Death Cat for Cutie, yeah. that, that era of indie. Um, this is a more mature version of that. So similar to like kind of the the late or the mid 2010s indie um, that we're used to, like Tumblr 2014 is kind of the vibe it gives me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so much fun. It's like a whole concept as an album about heartbreak and about a specific heartbreak and it's just really fun to listen to. There's a lot of really good songs on there. Um, like Carousel is probably one of my favorites. I like the... Um... <clears throat> Hold, please. Rattlesnake Heartbreak. That one. And I like Lavender Boombox. Yes. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like not really a weak song on that. It's probably... No, it's I a great album. End up. Like it was very much my hyperfixation of the first quarter. So... It'll probably show up on my Spotify wrap because of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one that came out in early, early, early February was the new album from Young Fathers. Mm-hmm. And their last album came out, I want to say in 2018. I can confirm that. Yeah, so Young Father's last album came out in 2018, and that was Coco Sugar. And I was absolutely obsessed with that album. I listened to it so much when that came out. And then Heavy Heavy, their new album, is so different sonically. And I was reading a lot about how they would go in the studio and record some of this stuff. No plan, no nothing. It's all spontaneous. Yeah. And you can, like, feel that sense of spontaneity or whatever in the listening experience. And that it's is not each... how you say that word. How do I say it? Spontaneity. There's no U. <laughs> Listen. I mean, go I was saying <laughs> it, and I was like, this doesn't sound right. And then you maybe, like, mix it with, like, ingenuity. I don't know what that means. Ingenuous? I actually don't know what that means. <laughs> I couldn't explain it. Yeah, I was really waiting for you to like explain. I know it. what it means, like to how to use it, but I could not explain to you. Like, in, I think it means like smart. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you tell us. Um, this this album is just so much fun to listen to because you, it just you can kind of like feel their process comes through very much on this. Um, I've been listening to a lot of the song Geronimo. Um, it's that, this one in particular has got like a more laid back sound than some of the other songs on the album, but that was one of the first singles and I've just been listening to it a ton. Um, my physical, my physical copy of this album came in this week, so I'm very excited to listen to it on vinyl. Okay. I don't know if 
ingenuous is a word. Did you make that one up too? Uh, no, it is. It means innocent or unsuspecting, ingenuous. That has nothing to do with spontaneous or smart. <laughs> um, I so we've talked about what th- four albums now that we like. Mm-hmm. I do kind of want to talk about an album I found disappointing in February. Tear it up. Um, and I feel like I'm going to get heat for saying this because it's not what the masses think. But the new Paramore album. I did not care for that either. I enjoyed the songs individually. However, I felt like Haley Williams is listening to a lot of post-punk and she was trying to make a post-punk album without actually like... Making a post-punk album? Without knowing how to make a post-punk album. Um, Because there are songs that feel like dry cleaning. There are songs that feel like... I think she's she's emulating some of the sounds that come from the more modern post-punk scene and the windmill scene specifically. But it just is not a... It doesn't necessarily work for me with some of the other aspects of the act. Like Paramore musically is trying to stay Paramore, but right. Haley well, is like doing this other thing and they just don't mesh together. And well. the problem with that is Haley is such a strong vocalist yeah. that by doing that style, it, it doesn't really utilize weird. her vocal range and her vocal ability. But when and you, that's what Paramore really is. Yeah. It's like Haley Williams' vocal ability and then Taylor York's music yeah and it felt very much like they recorded things separately and you can tell like, they're a very busy band they probably weren't in the studio together even though like she's dating taylor or whatever yeah. um it felt like it was very disjointed and i think that's a good a lot of work most of their it. albums don't feel disjointed like that uh especially coming off of her solo albums which are very much like a like a, one thread through each song this just kind of felt like a bunch of songs they wrote and they put an album together. Which is disappointing because I thought the idea of them doing a post-punk style album would be cool. Uh, and I, like I said, the songs individually I enjoy, but when you put them all together, I would not listen to that whole thing. No, the songs, I don't think as an album, I don't think it works. The songs are all over the place. There's no consistency to it. They're all singles. It feels like a bunch of singles slapped together. Yeah. yeah. Um, the and greatest hits collection, if you will. Right, and that's why I find disappointing because I think my favorite part of Paramore are the songs that aren't singles, the ones that are just there, and because these all feel like singles, they're not just like solid music tracks. It's that very exist, much to, like, an album together. that you could play on Spotify. On, sh- it's, it's, like, it's like a playlist. Yeah, it's not an album; it's a playlist. Yeah. Um. So I, I found that a little disappointing. I have one from February that disappointed me a little. Not that it's bad. I actually enjoy some aspects of it, but on the whole, I was disappointed. Um, And that's the new Caroline Polachek album. Yeah. I found it to be too experimental and not in a way that, like, worked well for her. Because the only songs I really liked were Bunny is a Rider, which she's been singing for two years. Yep. That song's not a new song, and I like Welcome to My Island, which is but I prefer the remix with Charlie XCX. I was going to say, the best version of Welcome to My Island isn't even her version. Right. It's the Charlie XCX and George right. from the 1975, because I yeah. don't know his last name. The drummer um, guy. Yeah. George Daniels? I don't know his name. Um, that's like the best I didn't version. know his first name. <laughs> that's the best version of the song, and it's kind of disappointing when you're like when your song is remixed and redone better than like you did. It's not that the album is bad, like I was saying, but it just is too out there 
and it feels like she's trying to be experimental for the sake of being experimental because it doesn't necessarily sound great in some aspects of it. I thought it was just fine. Speaking of experimental albums that are just experimental to be experimental, let's talk, let's talk John Dwyer. Oh yeah, I, I don't want to talk about that. That was one of the worst things I've ever heard. <laughs> Which John, funny, I love you, like, but lo- what the fuck was that? It felt like you just laid something on a keyboard and just let whatever beep, sound... Beep, beep, boop, boop. No, not even the beeping. Like, it feels like an object was just sat on a keyboard, <laughs> and that's the song. And the keys don't go together, and he just, like, threw a bunch of shit on a keyboard, and that's the sounds that came out. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's, there's a couple more I want to talk about for February. Yeah. Um, the new tennis album came out. Mm-hmm. Pollen. Beautiful. Loved it. I've been getting into tennis a lot lately, actually. I love them so much. Um, they've been popping up a lot on like my radios for what I've been listening to. I also wanted to talk about the new Shame. Oh, yeah. That came out in February, um, didn't it? Their marketing tactics for this are hilarious, first of all. like Their Instagram and social media presence in support of this album are, are really funny. Um, and I thought the album was really good. It's more, like, toned back um, than their other albums, which I thought I wouldn't like because I, I do prefer... I do love, like... The hard-hitting sounds. Yeah. Um, like, uh, Drunk Tank Pink. Super fun. Yeah. Um, so them kind of going for a more chill sound is interesting. I also think it makes sense, though, because... They're getting older. There's only so much running around they can do, like how so much zoomies that the bassist can get in the middle of a show. Um, he can only do a somersault on stage so many times, right? Um, so I, I think it's an it's a smart move to make to kind of like <clears throat> slow down the shows that they're gonna play. Um, but the songs are fun too. Like the song Adderall they played at our show. Um, and they kind of introed it as like, you guys have this drug here and we don't have it in the UK. And I think it's wild that you have this and why do you have it? That's kind of like about medicating the masses. So I yeah. think like the, the concept of, um, food for worms is, is interesting. I also love them right now because they keep doing these karaoke shows yeah. and it's just like, do you want to sing karaoke with shame for two hours? Go to this concert. They're not going to play any of their own music. They're just going to sing whatever the fuck feels good. Yeah. It's like Black Midi's doing that right now. I love that. That's fun. Um, <laughs> Going on stage with Black Midi. Did you not see the... I think I sent you the video. What the yeah. grape covered yeah. uh, Kate Bush. Yeah. And it's so weird. Um, the other one I thought was... I, I've enjoyed and I have this on vinyl. And I, I kind of want to talk about this fiasco with the vinyl. Oh, yeah. This is a fun one, too. Um, has yours come in yet? My replacement? No. Yeah. Okay. This, it was supposed to ship at the end of March. Is that but what? I, I have not... I have not um, seen anything. So the new Gorillaz album, Cracker Island, I enjoy it um, a lot, actually. It feels like Song Machine, kind of, again, with all the features. It's a little more thematic to me than Song Machine. It's very, like, the theme of it's, like, a cult. Yeah. So it's a little more, to me, thematic in, like, the songs. For Song Machine, every song is completely different. Yeah. It has nothing to do with one another. Yeah. Um, but the what happened here is, so, we both ordered the purple. The, like, translucent purple, whatever. The website, the band's website version. Um, and I got a pink one. Did you get a pink one? I got a pink one. Um, so it turns out I think pretty much everyone got the wrong record, um, or the wrong pressing that they had ordered. For the most part, if you ordered off their website or if you ordered, like, 
the indie version. I think they were switched. So uh, I think there are enough complaints online that they were just they decided to repress it um, and send everybody a replacement of like the right color. Yeah, um, and I think yeah, I got an email from Warner Music. I don't know about a month ago, basically apologizing for the mix-up, mm-hmm. and they said they were you know you could fill out this form and get a replacement copy of the correct version you ordered. And they were, the, they were going to be finished pressing by the end of March, but I have not heard any updates from that. It's also April, beginning of April. So like, did you get an email that confirmed that you ordered the replacement? Uh, I don't think so. I didn't either. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really good thing to do. Like we talked about how, like how there's no way they can repress all of these records, but apparently they are. Um, and we were kind of just assuming that we'd never get the right one, which was fine. But, um, yeah, I like that they did that. That album overall is really fun. Um, the Thundercat song is great. The Tame Impala song I think the Thundercat song is my favorite. Cracker Island. Yeah, that's a good one. That one they were doing, um, that was, a, that was the first single. Yeah. So I listened to that a lot when it first came out. Yep. Um, cool. Anything else for February? Uh, I'm not doing a great job of putting these in order. I'm sorry. So I'm just kind of scrolling through what I've looked through. Uh, I think that's, um, actually I got two more for February. Okay. I'll talk about. So Model Act Trees released a new album called Dog's Body, which I think that technically it's two bands kind of formed to one. That's why it's model slash actress. Um, it's very, like, punchy and erratic-sounding punk music, but very good. Loved it. It's actually, like, very popular right now. They're playing Empty Bottle tomorrow night, and I think it's sold out. Oh, wow. So they've... these This band I had never heard of releases this album. I listen to it, and apparently it's very big. Okay. Um, I also like this album that came out by this artist called Baby Cool, and she's, like, this kind of psychedelic singer-songwriter... She released an album called Earthling on the Road to Self-Love. It's a little dreamy, a little psychedelic, a little indie. It's just a really f- cool listening vibe to it. Uh, she's a Greenway Records artist. Okay. So wow. our buds mm-hmm. Acidad and are yep. huge, you know, we're fanatics for Frankie and the Witchfingers. Yes. And she's opening for King Gizzard in Europe right oh, now. Oh, awesome. So I think she's open. I think tonight might be the last night she's opening with them, but she's been touring with Giz in Europe. So okay, so you might catch her on an album of theirs because yeah. they do that. Like yeah, for, for at least like spoken word. Um. All right, let's go to March because I got a couple good ones for March as well. Yeah, same. I want to talk. This is what I want to talk about specifically. Um, there's a, a section here, and I know you know what section I'm talking about. <clears throat> all right, so. Do you want to go for your first one? Uh, sure. So, The Nude Party released a new album called Ride On. Um, they are this kind of, it's got a bit of like a country punk type sound to it. It reminds me a lot of the Black Lips. Okay. But if the Black Lips were like way toned down and not as like aggressive on the rock side. Yeah. Where like. Nude Party always plays for me on, like, OC's radio. So that's how I first found out about them. Um, This album's a little twangy. It's a very, like, relaxing listen. It's very chill. Um, It was very good. I liked it a lot. I'm very excited to see it live next weekend. 
All right. <clears throat> Let's talk about March 17th. Yeah, we got a lot on March 17th. I have um, one I didn't even highlight, but yeah, so there's four, three we wanted. Four to albums came out. Three of them you gave a 10. Two of them you gave a 10, one you gave a 9. Um, I argue the 9 should be a 10. But Stephanie doesn't, what, maybe once before given, maybe twice before given two 10s on the same day? I don't typically, it's very rare that mm-hmm. I give two 10s on the same day. Because usually if it's albums I'm excited for and I listen to them back to back, so I'm excited You'll to listen to one them. over the other. It's just like you I end up comparing them. Sure. So Um, which is why I think the one you gave a nine didn't you didn't give a ten to. Don't know. <laughs> I did listen to all three of these in a row though. You so. listened to all four of these on the same day? Oh no, I listened to all four of these on the same day. Because my bro- I did not. my brother in law told me to listen to the fourth one. Yeah. And I listened to it like, immediately. I just got distracted. So let's go in order. Yeah, so number one is Eve's Tumor, and this album is called Praise the Lord Who Choose But Which Does Not Consume, and that's a very pretentious uh, I mean, very Eve's Tumor. Oh, I agree. Um, It's kind of a blend, in my opinion, of the glam rock aspect of their EP that came out in 2021. Okay. And um, Heaven Do a Tortured Mind, which came out in 2020. Yep. So it kind of has some uh, some of the like, aspects of both of those because mm-hmm. I like that Eve's tumors kind of developed this more glam, yeah, rock and like glam side of things, yeah. And I think it makes for a very fun live performance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of to me cements their status as a true rock star. Yeah, for me, I think uh, what I like about this is the opposite because I like the more industrial, like bassy. Like safe in the hands, safe in the hands of love. Yeah, um, aspect of East Humor, and so like the fact that it kind of marries both worlds, it's fun to it's fun to watch, and I think it's gonna be a really fun show from like just vibes. Yeah, vibes um, alone. Vibes alone. Yeah. Um, so that was a ten. <clears throat> yeah, I gave it a ten. I thought it was absolutely incredible. Uh, the next one is the new Hundred Gex album, Ten Thousand Gex. Currently, at the rate we're going. Um, we're going to be at 10 to the 34 Gex in like 20 years nice. with the, with the projection of their double. Um, so does that mean in, in three years, we're going to get hundred thousand, hundred thousand Gex. So at some point we'll get 10 to the Google Gex. Sure. If they make music that long. So in like 70 years from the 20 to Girl, the I don't want to be alive in 70 years. So I don't okay. <laughs> um, anyways, 10,000 Gex. Fantastic. It's so weird. It's silly. It's goofy. It's very much like, our, if you're in on the joke, you're yeah. in on the joke. It's like, so they're a hyperpop duo, but this is hyperpop mixed with like lit, mixed with like Limp Bizkit, there's some ska on there, there's some like, what would you even call, um... Frog on the floor. Like, what style is that? That's a little more ska to me. Yeah, but it's got like some kind of like boogie, like child music. It's similar to like um, what was that song that you sent me that you were talking about the Karma Chameleon? Karma Chameleon. Um, it's it's got the same vibe as Karma Chameleon. I always call it Karma Chameleon. <laughs> um, I love that album. I listened to it 
very often. I really like some of the samples that they use in this. It's very smart what they do when the oh, album opens for and it's the THX like yeah. audio rise. Yeah. Like that's really fun. They actually use the sample from Frontier Psychiatrist yeah. by the Avalanches, the horse. Yeah. They use that same yeah. horse sound. There's a like times. a Lucasfilm, I think, sound yeah. that they use in it. It's, it's very, it's fun to listen to and try to hear all these samples. Yeah. I feel like when I listen to it, I keep hearing something different yeah. that I recognize, which is really fun. Yeah. And then um, if you're into reading about albums, um, the Pitchfork review of this is, I mean, it's a good review, but it's so funnily written. That, like there, are, I refer to. There's a line in this where they talk about like the person that's listening to this and how like they're chain smoking watermelon briz ice vape, and I I say watermelon briz ice vapes all the time now because I think it's so funny and also it's so true. So I'll be like, I'm listening to Hundred Gigs, got my watermelon briz ice vape. <laughs> I saw a TikTok talking was the day this album came out. And it's just, like, a guy in his 30s with his headphones on just pacing and nodding. Like, he'll just, like, nod and be like, okay. And then he'll pace and he'll just, like, nod again. He's, yeah. not, he's not sure if he likes it or not. Oh, I love it. And that. that's, like, the entire vibe I've got from people listening to this. And it's, again, it's the, if yeah. you're in on the joke, you're in on I the don't joke. I like, jokingly like them. I just like them. Um, it's, like, not ironic for me. Like, like I like 100, like, like I, it's not ironic. I like unironically. No, I'm not saying it's ironic, but it's very much like they are in on the joke because they know their music is so ridiculous. Right. And that's what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, this album is very self aware. Oh, yeah. I think by like kind of emulating early um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, like 90s Red Hot Chili Peppers, Lit, Limbiscuit, they're very much like tongue in cheek self-referential of themselves. Mm -hmm. They're very self aware of what they're making and what people think of them. And they're just doing it to be even funnier. Like, they're going to, what power is that? The fourth power. Ten to the third. Is that right? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, to just be funny. One thing that's really interesting, too, about this album, it was supposed to be released a year ago, and their label pushed it. So their tour last year, yeah. they were playing all oh, these songs. So I heard... Doritos and Fritos, oh God, 757, Hollywood Doritos Baby. They played that. I heard that at both times I saw them last Dumbest year. Dumbest Bitch Alive. I don't know, remember if they played Dumbest that Girl one or Alive. not. Dumbest Girl Alive. Yeah. I don't remember if they played that. That but, song was great. Um, but it was just like one of those things where I'm like, I'm listening to this. I'm like, oh, I know this. The other thing to call out here and things interesting is that this is their first album on a major label. Yeah. So I think it's also an interesting way to do this because they're... You know, they know what they're doing, they know who they are, and they're making fun of it. Yeah. Um, on a major label. And it's so well received. Yeah. Anyways, Steph, you gave that a nine. Yep. I personally, I'm a ten for it, but I get it. Based on the other two albums, like, I get it. Next one also came out March 17th. It is the new album from M83 called Fantasy. Um, my only note on this is... A quote that I saw on Reddit, and it just says, I would give a critical analysis, but honestly, M83 just hits. I agree. That one was really good. It's just, it's very M83. Like, it, it's so, like, ambient and chill. Yeah. It's got very much, I mean, it is called fantasy. I was going to say, like, fantastical elements to the songs. Mm-hmm. And um, Anthony really knows how to, like, 
bring build. that out and like yeah. build up the music. Yeah. People were complaining online because people love to complain. People do love to complain. Um, they said it's their their problem is it's not hurry up we're dreaming. Yeah. Which it's not, but it's, it's, a, it's a different be. album. Also, that was that came out what ten like, years ago. Yeah, it's not gonna be hurry up or dream. Yeah, people actually were saying that they think that Anthony is was intentionally trying to make something not radio friendly. Yeah, because like Midnight City is still like a really huge song to yeah. like, play, and he didn't want it to be like this one standalone song. Right, he wanted it to like. It's a cohesive. Be successful as an album mm-hmm. and not just like the one song you remember it out, out of it. Right. Don't know if that's true, but that's what people on the internet are projecting onto mm-hmm. him. It's a great album. I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I had the. I was listening to it on vinyl the other day. And I bet that hits on vinyl. Oh, it hits. Especially at nighttime when you're a little drunk when you get home from the bar and you decide to turn it on. It's great. Um, all right, let's jump down to the 24th. Um, these guys were actually friends with, they released their debut album. They're called Mirrors. They released an album called Motion and Picture. Um, this album is so fucking good. It literally sounds like music that was made 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it just like itches a special part of my brain. Some songs remind me of Muse, some songs remind me of Radiohead, like the way that they perform and mm-hmm. put this music together, it just emulates so much older synthy, electronic-y rock music yeah. that is just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. It's a great album. I literally the whole time was just like, holy shit, this is great. Holy shit, yeah, this is great. You, I remember you sending uh, me a Reddit post about it. It was like blowing up on India. Um, So they were actually featured on NPR. Oh, cool. Yeah, on All Songs Considered. I love that. Uh, the song Sinistry was played in an episode of like the this week's new, new mix. And it's... Oh, it was so good. I saw them play a bunch of these songs. They actually did, funny enough, they did Dollar Beer Night at Sleeping Village. Oh, And nice. that is the busiest Dollar Beer Night I have ever seen. Really? Okay. It was so many people in that back room at Sleeping Village. It was just so good. I think we had 15 people from our meetup group go. It was crazy. We had a huge group. And all anyone could say afterwards was like, holy shit, that was fantastic. Um, we are not able to go, well, I guess it already would have happened by the time this episode comes out. Uh, they're doing, like, an album release show on this Saturday. Oh, yeah. So we're not going to make it. Yeah, and it. you're seeing on Unknown, Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Yeah. yeah. So I'm bummed, but and I'm sure gonna, that's going to be absolutely yeah, amazing. Uh, the next one came out the same day. Uh, it's a new Lana Del Rey album titled, Did You Know There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? Um, I think this is some of her best work yet. I mean, I feel like I say that every single album because I love Lana Del Rey. Um, my favorite thing about this album was I think I saw this TikTok that was basically like she made one Boulevard and it's or not Boulevard one uh, billboard and it's by her ex's well, home. Not just that, but the the name of the album is three. It could be three names, like three different albums. Like she just basically picked out of a hat to say all of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've heard good things. I have not listened to this. It's very good. I'm not a big Lana thought fan. Oh, I love Lana Del Rey. She makes amazing music. I'm gonna 
be a sad girl at Lala. <laughs> Um, next one is, I mean, I, I wouldn't typically count this as a regular album release, but because they don't actually have a physical, actual album, mm -hmm. a studio album, I should say, uh, I have Black Country, New Road, Live at Bush Hall. So this is the new band yep. without Isaac Wood, yep. and these are the songs that they were performing live last year. So yes. they recorded this in London in, I think, November... Sometime around there. And it's just all those songs that they are playing. I think it's... So, I think this iteration of Black Country New Road is very different. Oh, it's very different. previous iterations of Black Country New Road. So, I think I texted you this when I saw them um, at the Warfield, maybe? I can't remember exactly where. They played with Black Midi, right? Yeah. It was Black Midi New Road. Um... I feel like they're just a bunch of band kids making music. They feel like a bunch of band geeks. That's what we said when yeah. we saw them at Primavera. They feel like a bunch of band geeks. And, like, the music, because of that, feels very different than it did on Ants From Up There and then X. <clears throat> yeah. So, and that was a more post-punk feel. This is more, like, orchestral building. Like, yeah. Um, almost, like, sonically... Fancy, I guess. Like I they use like so you... many instruments. I feel, and yeah. there's less of that like rock groove going through it, and more just like orchestral. Like, yeah, they really leaned ensemble. into that with this. I feel like they've used a lot. They've utilized a lot of that in the past, but you don't focus on it as much yeah, because exactly. you're so focused on just Isaac, Isaac being, being sad. so sad and yeah. in so much pain, right? Um, and it feels more like it previously it felt more like a rock album or like a sad album yeah because of that but like because it feels songs, more upbeat if anything it, it feels more absolutely. optimistic and upbeat absolutely it sounds like a more happy band yeah. which is it's kind of weird to listen it's the same to. band yeah but um my note was that lyrically it doesn't hit the same but i'm really looking forward to hearing how this turns out in a studio version yeah <coughs> <coughs> they're all very talented yeah they yeah as performers they're fantastic and having seen them live together um i think it's going to sound great in a studio and i'm going to enjoy it i think more once i have time to digest some of it yeah also i will say one of the dumbest song lyrics i've ever heard is an up song Look at what we've made together. BC on our friends forever. But also, like, great. I, I, I hate it. Like, I hate I it love so that much. line so much. It's so much fun, like, seeing them live when they sing that, though. I hated it. I literally was... looked at Steve and I was like, I think I have to leave now. <laughs> I was like, if this is what I'm going to be. Because that's our opening song. I know. I was like, if I have to watch this for another hour and it's only this, I'm going to be very upset. And then they actually set, sang a song they wrote that day. Where it's about them being so like uh, starstruck by meeting Earl Sweatshirt in the elevator of their hotel. I love that. Uh, the last one I have that I really wanted to highlight. Actually, I, I have two more I want to talk about. Uh, the next one is the greatest rap collaboration of our time. JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown released Scaring the Hose. I love that. This album is so fucking good. Um, it's a fun album. They use some really fun samples in this as well to like create the sounds for them. But oh, it's just so good. 
These two are like a match made in heaven musically. It's I mean, amazing. They have the same vibe too, yeah. which is scary stoned and very stoned. Yeah. Very stoned. Do you want to say your no? Because it's funny. Oh yeah. In the words of some girl on TikTok, this hoe is indeed scared. Um, and you have one more you said? Yeah, and this is one that um I think was overhyped. It came out March 31st, and everyone's been talking about this album a lot. I gave it a fairly high rating because it they sound good, but I think the album was overhyped, which is the same problem I have with one of the artists in the supergroup, yeah, Boy same. Genius, the, the record. I would agree. I think Phoebe Bridgers is overhyped. I think I, that's the problem. I think Phoebe Bridgers' parts of this are my least favorite. I would agree. Jillian Baker love... fucking killed on this album. Yeah. Uh, so did Lucy Dacus, but Lucy Dacus kills all the time. Right. And I agree. I mean, I feel like they're the strongest parts of Boy Genius. Um, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a big Phoebe Bridgers fan. I've never been a big Phoebe Bridgers I fan. I have um, So I would agree. I think it's also been overhyped. I don't really get the Phoebe Bridgers hype. I get, like, the Jillian Baker and the Lucy Dacus yeah. hype. Um, but I, I do think that, like, this album could have been better just the two of them. I agree. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that took us a while, but we talked through a lot of the musical highlights yes. and low points, I guess. Yep. So, let's talk about shows and sure. Ticketmaster. Yeah, so, I mean, Ticketmaster is the fucking worst, right? So, after all the Taylor Swift drama, which was technically last That year? was, like... What, end November? Of, end of last year? Yeah. October or November of last year, yeah. It happened again and again. Yeah, they've made, <clears throat> they've just been the fucking worst. But the reason I want to talk about this unique Ticketmaster thing, so The Cure is going on tour, mm-hmm. um, and Robert Smith has been tweeting in all caps, bitching about Ticketmaster, and this man is single-handedly fighting Ticketmaster. Well, I think it's funny. So, like, obviously Pearl Jam fought Ticketmaster in the 90s, and he is actually doing something. So he's upset with Ticketmaster, and he's actually doing something. So they did verified fan. They did verified fan presale. The tickets were low in price. They set them low in price, and they opted out and made it very abundantly clear that the artist has the choice to opt out of the dynamic pricing. That's kind of a way of being like, fuck you, everybody else. You knew this was an option. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, and I'll go back to the Taylor Swift thing. She did opt out of dynamic pricing. Her tickets were just priced high. Oh, sure. Um, There was no... When I was buying tickets, there was no dynamic pricing on there. At least for California. Well, also, it's a big fuck you to, like, Blink-182, who fucked everybody over with the Ticketmaster dynamic pricing. Did they? Oh, yeah. Chicago was insane. Okay, so they didn't do dynamic pricing for California. They did here in Chicago. Um, But that that doesn't... Yeah, they they absolutely can, and it's very clear that, like, artists are doing it. Um, What I do like about what Robert Smith did was he was pissed off about it. He was very clear that the prices were low. He was also very clear, like, don't buy resale. Yeah. He said, if you're going to buy resale, and I think they, I think he made it so that on re, on Ticketmaster, you could not resale for higher than. No, it has to be the same price, the face value the price. The face value price. So, like, um, if it's going to go through Ticketmaster resale. states that have different regulations are, of California, course, California, and York, Illinois, and, yeah. and New York. Yeah. Um, so, that was nice to see, that if yeah. you're reselling, you cannot be reselling for 
at least through Ticketmaster. I guess right. obviously on like StubHub, he has no say over that. I actually was reading something that scalpers, because of the Ticketmaster like restrictions, were creating accounts, buying tickets, and then selling that account information rather than the ticket itself. Oh. Because some of these tickets are non-transferable. Right. At all. Right. So that's how scalpers were getting around it. And I actually read that like over 7,000 tickets have been canceled because of this methodology. Interesting. And I don't know how well, they found out about it. doing that. Um, the other well, thing I the wanted... cure made them do that. Well, I mean, at least they're finding yeah. out about that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to call out, though, that he's doing is he also was upset about the fees. Yeah, so some in some of these cities, the fees were higher than the ticket price. I know, like, Meriwether Post Pavilion out in, like, the D.C. area yeah. or whatever... You could buy lawn tickets, because it's an outdoor amphitheater, you could buy lawn tickets for $20, and the fees per ticket were almost $25 in just fees. Yeah. So So they did a thing where if you bought the lowest tier price, you got a $10 refund in fees. But that's only if it was like an outdoor show and it had lawn. Uh, If you had a regular ticket, you got a $5 fee refund. Yeah, so I, I think what we're seeing, though... Is that by Robert Smith doing this, it's clear that either Ticketmaster's under a huge fire from all the other shit that they're doing, and they're being a little bit more lenient for new artists, or it's clear that artists have more ability to fight with Ticketmaster over these unfair practices than we've previously seen. I mean, The Cure's been a huge band for, what, 40 years, too? So for them to be doing this and making it so clear, because like Depeche Mode plays Chicago right now, yeah, and they did dynamic pricing, yeah. So it's kind of also meant to be like a fuck you to these other artists. So right. like you didn't have to do this, and you screwed your fans, yeah. And you also made your tickets inaccessible to your fans by making them so high in price, right? When I I was trying to get tickets for Chicago, was not successful. So my ticket karma has not been great. It's gotten better, um, but. Tickets for floor tickets at United Center were like 150 For what? Depeche Mode or for, for the cure? cure? Okay. And it's like, that's crazy. Like, that's still not cheap. I mean, compared to Drake tickets that were on sale for 450 I for mean, nosebleeds? Compared for me paying $500 for floor tickets to see Taylor Swift. Yeah, okay. Don't even. I mean, I'm just saying. But no, I get it. And I think that that's, I think it's, I'm hoping that this is. What we're going to see more often in the future um, of artists being a little bit more transparent about their role in these overpriced tickets. Because I bought, I mean, what, a, a week ago, I think, on like Thursday, I bought th- three shows, two tickets at each show. I bought tickets for Ween and Modest Mouse. I want to say the tickets were like... I'm sorry, who in Modest Mouse? Sorry, um... Pixies and Mods Mouse. I also bought tickets for Ween that day. Um, the I don't remember how much I paid for Ween. But Pixies and Modest Mouse, I think I it was like $70 base. I think I ended up paying $100 each. That's Which so isn't even annoying. that bad. And but what like pisses- 50% of that ticket price was just paid in fees. Which is also kind of fucked up because that's a new venue in Chicago owned as an independent venue that's utilizing Ticketmaster and allowing them to do these fees. Yes. And I think the interesting thing, and this is something I want to talk about. I paid $50 in t- fees for my four-day pass yeah. to run the jewels. I paid, what was that? 
There were fifty dollars. I think I paid. I paid for a full another ticket for yeah. Run the Jewels in just fees, right? They because they because they utilize Ticketmaster, right? And that's what's kind of wild. So Salt Shed's doing something a little bit different to kind of like make up for it, but it's still not really accessible. So I think it's every Friday. Or every, like, I think it's every Friday. It's every Friday. Um, you can go line up at the venue if you want to. And there's 20, do- 20 tickets available for each show total that you can buy without fees. Which I think is kind of fucked up because you can go to most venues and buy a ticket at the venue without, without fees. fees. So the fact that they're only allowing 20 tickets per show, feeless, is kind of fucked up. I do appreciate them doing that, but it's fucked up that there's a limited amount. I think amount. that, well, I don't know if it's a limited amount. I think they're holding 20. So if it's not sold out, I think you can Ooh. still get it. But if it sells out immediately, there are still 20 available. Got it. Okay. I took that as there's only 20. I know that. I think they're holding 20. Okay. I always took that as there's only 20, which is good to know that that's possibly the scenario because I work right by the Salt Chain. We're going to so many shows. Do you go to work on Fridays? No, but I can go to work on Fridays. I mean, that's fair. I can also just drive there. It's, yeah. like, right there um, to go get tickets. I might do that this Friday because Matt and friends and myself possibly are going to go see Pretty Lights. Yeah, so Ticketmaster fucking sucks. Yeah, I mean, when you're paying at least 50% of the ticket in fees, there. I mean, I bought tickets from Ticketmaster for, like, $15 before... And paid basically fifteen dollars yeah. in fees, or like twelve dollars in fees. Um, at least thinking of the Salt Shed, so obviously that's a new venue here in the city. Um, I've been twice. Iggy Pop, Viagra Boys, indoors. You've been twice. You've been outside. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm talking indoors. I'm not okay. talking outdoors because that's already been a thing. Yeah, and that's a temporary setup. So that's the indoor setup's been open since February. Uh, it's a cool space. Um, my only, I have two complaints, I guess. Not enough bars. Sounds a little rough. The bar lines are insane because there's only one in the fl- in the floor area, mm-hmm. and there's one in the one room. in the back, and there's there's one upstairs. There's one upstairs. Yeah, the one upstairs is not the line's not bad, but then. People, like, they tried to, like, divert people there. Well, what's crazy is when they had the outdoor shows over the summer, they had, like, seven bars. Yeah. And they have three indoors. Well, yeah, and, like, there's one line for the... The one by the stage is a long bar, but there's one line that you go yeah. through that then, like, feeds into, like, multiple spaces. Yeah. And they need to not do it that way. Yeah. And I, maybe it's, like, a safety thing and, like, a way to, like, organize people. But, yeah, I agree. The beer situation, because it took us, like... I feel like... 20, 30 minutes at some points to get drinks. Yeah, that's probably one of my biggest complaints is like, don't do that. Why Why is it so obnoxious to get a drink there? Yeah. Don't make it that hard. Yeah. My other... Do you not want our money? We're trying to give you money. <laughs> Obviously they don't. My other gripe is, um, I think the sound is raw. I don't think they put enough speakers in. And I'm hoping that, like, that was a set... I've only been to the second show, I think. That was the second Viagra show. Viagra Boys was the second show. Um, so, an Iggy Pop was like the fourth, fifth. Something like that. I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping that they do plan to get more, because if they're going to start having electronic shows there, like... They've already had a couple. 
they need to start putting more better sound in. So I was talking with Steve about it because he came to the Iggy Pop show with me. He was saying that they put the bare minimum amount of speakers for the space. So people that are up in that VIP balcony on the left, there's no speaker pointed towards them. Yeah. They have no speaker up right. there. So I'm sure the sound but up like, there is even ass the floor, and you paid, but you paid a lot of money yeah. to sit up there. Even on the floor, the sound's kind of rough. We were, uh, so when we left you and went back yeah. to meet up with some of Matt's friends, for Viagra Boys, the sound was much better because towards we were the back. Like, towards the back of the floor, because um, we were right by the sound stage, oh, and that's yeah. obviously like the guy the, makes yeah. it is right there, and he has to listen to it. Um, but I agree, they need more speakers if they're gonna. It's a large space; it can fit thirty eight hundred people. Yeah, they need more speakers to fit. Yeah, for that, and it being a warehouse, you need more speakers in because a you're, the sound's gonna be yeah. rough. Yeah. So two complaints. Otherwise, the space is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a great beer selection. They featured a lot of unique local spots yeah. that aren't featured at other music venues. Yeah. You know, you can get Salamoth, you can get Metropolitan, you can get Pipeworks. Like, you yeah. can't get that at other venues. Yeah. Which I think is very fun. I think that is fun, too. And then they're opening up the new, or they're moving Goose Clyborne into That is going to move over next door. Yeah. So that's going to open there next year, I think. Um, so they're really trying to build up that area. They're booking a lot of really good shows. Yeah, and it's really funny because, like, some of these other venues that typically get these big acts, they're all going to Salt Shed. Yeah. Which is great, because for us, proximity-wise, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's way more convenient for us to get over there to go see someone than to go all the way to fucking Uptown and go be at the Aragon, which also sounds like ass, so... I just want the sound to be a little bit better. If I'm going to have somewhere that already sounds like trash, it might as well be be close. close. (laughs) All right. Uh, I know it's getting a little late. Is there anything else you wanted to cover? Um, I don't know. I think... We haven't talked any, like, upcoming things we're doing music-wise. Yeah, I mean, right after this episode comes out, we'll have gone, you'll have gone to three shows this weekend. <laughs> I went to two shows that before we recorded. Yep. You have I one have tomorrow, one tomorrow, one Friday, Friday Saturday, Saturday Sunday. Sunday. We're seeing our friends Modern Dairy on Friday. This will be our first time seeing them. Yeah, I'm, I'm very really excited. excited. Um, they have agreed to do an episode with us one day, so hopefully that'll happen soon when we are actually, like arrange it yeah um mirrors is asked to do an episode with oh, us cool. too so yeah so modern dairy we're seeing another local band um on sunday so post animal we were just talking about like we're like where I, are they yeah we were talking like a couple weeks ago about like what happened to post animal like why aren't they doing shows and then like the day after they announced a show yeah so post animals playing at empty bottle this weekend yep. so that'll be great um i head out in two Three weeks to Atlanta for Shaky Knees. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, I go to Just Like Heaven in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, so we get a lot. In the, in, the immediate, in the immediate, immediate. Immediate, immediate future, yeah. Yeah, we get a lot. Um, oh, I've, how many shows do I have in the next couple of weeks? I've got, third, I've got Friday and Saturday next weekend. I'm seeing Bass Drum of Death. Then I'm singing the, new, the Nude Party. Mm-hmm. And the weekend after, I'm seeing Disc and Cola. Oh, yeah. Sleeping Village for Cola. Uh, for Cola. What was the other one? Where Disc? Is playing? Sleeping Village. Oh, are they playing together? Uh, two nights. Oh, okay. Uh, Thursday, Friday. Okay. Um, 
Was it the 20th? 20th and the 21st. Okay. And then... I know I have other stuff, too. Oh, I'm seeing Shoo Shoo at the bottle oh, on fine. the 25th. Okay. I know I've got something else in there, too, at the bottle, but I can't think of what it is right now. I'd kind of just show up there, so... Mm -hmm. um, I'm seeing Build to Spill in May. Um, and then we're seeing Shame. Ooh, I'm seeing M83 in May. Nice. I forgot about that. I don't have anything else. Yeah, so we got a lot coming up. I'm sure once the summer gets going, we'll talk more about the music festival scene. Yep. Um, but, yeah. When's Riot Fest going to release tickets? Never. That's the real question. It's because they're still fighting with the community of Little Village, which is technically still a different part of the city than McKinley, or East Lawndale. Yeah, to host the festival. Cool. So I think that covers it for this episode. So if you enjoyed this episode, which we hope you did, because we almost lost the entire fucking podcast today, please go on your favorite streaming service and give us a five-star rating. And if you're feeling extra generous because we almost lost the entire fucking podcast, uh, please leave us a written review. It might be your last chance It might ever. be your last chance for the foreseeable future if this fix does not last. Yes. Uh, please go and interact with us on social media. Uh, you'll listen through the songs. All of our social and contact information is there. Um, and see what we're up to. See what we're drinking. See what's going on. Yep. We'll see you guys next time. Alright, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you, um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is drunkanduncultured. And our Twitter is drunkuncultured. No and. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at lindsaysoldout. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.